Hello. I used to be O.J. Simpson. Whenever I'm taking a break from looking for the real killers, I always dial in 90.3 FM KDVS in Davis. It's a killer station. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the show. We have two terrific guests for you on today's program. Ambassador Joseph Wilson is returning to talk to us about the developments which have had of late George Bush consulting a lawyer. Ambassador Wilson was the man sent to Africa to investigate the charges that the government of Niger had sold uranium to Saddam Hussein. He was able to verify that this was in fact not true. Those documents were forgeries. After they appeared in George Bush's State of the Union address last year, the ambassador felt he had to come forward and clear the air about what the administration did know. As a result, in an act of political retribution, his wife was outed as a covert operative of the Central Intelligence Agency. Currently, a special investigation is underway by the Department of Justice to look into this matter, which is a serious crime. Ambassador Wilson will talk to us in our second segment today. And in our third segment today, we will talk about one of, uh, well, a man who should be one of the most famous scientists who ever lived, Johannes Kepler. We'll speak with author Dr. James Conner about his book, Kepler's Witch, which tells the fascinating story of Johannes Kepler, a man who led directly to Isaac Newton and uh, really the birth of modern science. We have a lot of ground to cover today, so let's get moving. Some review. We talked about, um, well, you know, this is a time where parallax uh, makes the news, uh, which doesn't happen very often. The planet Venus passed between the Earth and the Sun on Tuesday, giving people around the world a spectacular view of this uh, very rare event. It happens really on the average about once a century. Well, it happens in an eight-year period, which recycles every 122 years. There's a bit of a tie-in to this to uh, Johannes Kepler in our third segment. Kepler revealed the relative distances of the planets orbiting the sun based on his laws of motion. No one was sure of the exact absolute distances, however, because, well, it's just not the, you just can't look up and see an odometer telling you how far away something is. It was realized, however, in the 1700s that if you looked at this transit of Venus from different parts of the Earth, the method of parallax, and of course parallax means that a slightly different perspective will give you a bit of a different view of something, the difference in parallax between, say, Tahiti and England would enable you to tell the exact distance between the Earth and Venus if you measured carefully. You could do this, of course, through triangulation. As it turned out, those efforts uh, were not very successful. Uh, uh, they couldn't get accurate enough measurements to really do this um, as well as they would have liked back when, uh, when James Cook was down in Tahiti trying to do this. Nevertheless, it's quite an interesting spectacle, just from a purely artistic standpoint. And if you saw the bee uh, yesterday, you'd see a picture of an angler in Florida with the setting, uh, actually with the rising sun behind him and the big dot of Venus on the surface. Very pretty. Unfortunately, we were denied the view of this. Uh, we were denied a view of this here in California. We're one of the few places on Earth that saw none of the Venus transit. But stick around. 
This will repeat in the year 2012, at which point California will have a ringside seat. All right, a little follow-up. We told you about the fact that the brown recluse spider appears to be vastly overdiagnosed. When you get a spider bite, you go to your local ER. Well, the current issue of Family Practice News shows the distribution of the various recluse spiders across the country, confirming that in the fact that unless you live out in the Mojave Desert, you're not going to get bitten by a brown recluse. If you do get a spider bite, that wasn't the culprit. So it appears that Radio Parallax was a bit ahead of the medical literature on this one. All right, another follow-up. Sacramento County is going to keep a paper voting format for now. Uh, This was buried on page B3 of the Sacramento Bee. The article quotes our friend Kim Alexander of the California Voter Foundation saying, Given the uncertainty, Sacramento County is making a wise decision. And indeed it is. All right, of course, the big story, the big news story of this week is the passing of former President Ronald Reagan. We intend to delve into the issues of Ronald Reagan at some length in a future program. We've been planning for some time to have the uh, former Washington Post editor Lou Cannon come on the show. Lou Cannon knew Reagan well, has written something like five books on the subject of Ronald Reagan. And um, I'm sure he's busy right now, but and so are we. But hopefully in July or August, we'll have a chance to come back and speak with Lou Cannon about Ronald Reagan. The only thing I want to say at this time is the notion that I saw in MSN that Ronald Reagan brought down the USSR by implementing the Star Wars missile defense system. Whew. I know there are people that uh, that quote that, but if you think about it, how can... How can implementation of a defense shield, which 20 years later is still, you know, an impossible dream, how could that possibly cause the USSR to implode? It seems rather more likely that the Soviet Union was in very bad shape economically and about to do a pratfall out on the streets like the Skid Row nation state that it really was, and that all this money that was necessary to spend to fight the Russians in the 80s may have all been... uh, Less for that than it was to enrich certain defense contractors. We would like to point out when MSN says something, MSN is part Microsoft, but it's part NBC. Of course, the parent company of NBC is General Electric, a major defense contractor, maker of components of the Star Wars defense system. Gee, do you think that had any effect on the spin of the stories about Reagan? Now, I gotta say, when the USSR still existed, I remember having a very interesting, uh, visit to a Soviet sauna, not a couple, a uh, couple, well, a few blocks really from Red Square. And I want to bring on uh, a friend of mine, a Russian mathematics professor who actually believes Ronald Reagan did bring about the demise of the Soviet Union. And I'd like to talk to, um, to Misha about that, and that'll be part of a future show. All right, The Week magazine is tailor-made for people doing a show like this. I'd love to excerpt a few things out of their uh, their weekly efforts. <laughs> they always have something like, good week for, dot, 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 bad week for, dot, dot, dot. So, good week for was the letter of the law. The Week magazine notes that Orthodox rabbis have warned that New York City drinking water might not be kosher because it contains harmless microorganisms that are technically shellfish. And it was a bad week for playing your strengths. China announced that it would allow Britney Spears to perform in the country, 
but only if she stuck to singing and did not parade around in skimpy outfits. You do have to ask how far Britney Spears would have gotten on the merits of her singing voice alone. And it was likewise a bad week for Richard Nixon's reputation when newly released transcripts of the 1970s White House phone calls <laughs> revealed that Henry Kissinger would not let the president take a call from the British Prime Minister on the brink of an Arab-Israeli war, saying, when I talked to the president, he was loaded. You know, I, I don't usually go to uh, escapist movies, but I did go see The Day After Tomorrow because it was getting a lot of uh, a lot of press, and uh, boy, all I can say... <laughs> Actually, I lasted 90 minutes and then just had to go. I just couldn't take it anymore. Terrible movie. Terrible movie, which is about global cooling. It's an, a movie about global warming that's, in fact, about global cooling. Some have said that it's critical of the Bush administration. I don't know. The movie was produced and distributed by Rupert Murdoch's 20th Century Fox. I think in making a preposterous movie about global cooling, uh, they were doing the Bush administration a favor. Now, uh, a week and a half ago, we had a new terror alert in this country, not from the Office of Homeland Security, not from Tom Ridge, but from Attorney General John Ashcroft and FBI Director Robert Mueller. Getting less uh, notice in the press was the fact that apparently the sources of this uh, terror threat are highly dubious. They came from the Abu Hafs al-Mazri brigades, which, uh, according to M.J. Goal of the Asia-Pacific Foundation... Quote, this particular group is not really taken seriously by Western intelligence. It does not appear to have any real field operational capacity. The group has claimed responsibility for the power blackout in the Northeast last year, a power outage in London, and the Madrid bombing. None of the claims was found to be credible. According to uh, the Asia-Pacific Foundation, quote, the only thing they haven't claimed credit for is the recent cicada invasion of Washington. And we reported on this program during the ramp-up to war last year in Iraq that there was much hysteria about smallpox. Smallpox this, smallpox that, bioweapons here, bioweapons there. I, I openly questioned the sanity of, uh, of inoculating people all across this nation for smallpox when there was no evidence that Saddam Hussein or anybody else was about to unleash smallpox on the world. Well... Judith Miller apparently was the source of a, of a book on germs and was writing for the New York Times using Ahmed Chalabi as a source. Judith Miller's reporting was prominent in the acknowledgement by the New York Times recently that uh, much of the pre-war reporting was not fit to print. In spite of its liberal reputation, the Times certainly did beat the uh, drums for war last year, and they're now apologizing for some of that, which I think is to their credit. And on the lighter side, an item I've been sitting on for some weeks, uh, I wasn't sure where to insert it. I think today's the day. Story from the UK. Apparently, a chocolate shop in the south of England had a habit of using a clever machine which would trace out children or adults' names on a chocolate shell in white icing. The customers would take in a list of names, Jake, Lucy, William, Suzanne, and so on, go off to do some shopping, and come back an hour later to pick up the personalized chocolate eggs. Uh, recently, a woman came in in a big hurry in the shop and uh, dropped off a list talking to the proprietor, and apparently a none-too-bright assistant then set to work <laughs> icing the chocolate. Not noticing the list may have been suspect because of the fact that it had things on it like bacon, sausages, butter, 
And in fact, when the woman came back, she had several chocolate eggs with those names on it, in addition to milk, tea, and bleach. We thank New Scientist Magazine for that and would like to say that Radio Parallax does apologize and is not intending to make fun of anyone out there named Bleach, Tea, Milk, Butter, Sausages, or Bacon. All right, in an effort to broaden our appeal to those who enjoy popular culture, Radio Parallax is proud to introduce a new legal correspondent to the KDVS lineup. Joining us for Gavel to Gavel Insights on the Scott Peterson murder case is legal expert Orenthal James Simpson. Are you there, Mr. Simpson? The juice is here. This is O.J. Uh, what led you to hire out your services? Well, look, it's been 10 years now, as you know, since my trial. and It's time to get that behind me. You know you know what I'm saying? And, hey, if, if there's a guy out there that knows about a sensational trial, it'd be me. Yeah, especially a trial about a guy with a lame alibi and murdered wife. Well, excellent point. You know, I, I mean, I've been there. Well, uh, apparently, as in your trial, the defense is trying to allege that there are real killers who may be trying to frame Scott Peterson. Well, I like that. That's a good one. You know, I always wish Johnny Cochran would have played that angle more instead of the cop frame-up thing. The cop frame was good, don't get me wrong, but I, I think we could have ended that trial a lot sooner if we'd have played up the real killer thing more. So you approve, then, of Mr. Jeregos's approach? Well, I do. Oh, definitely, yeah. I, I mean, he's saying that Scott went fishing at that marina in Berkeley. Yeah, on Christmas Eve. Well, Doug, you, if you know any fishermen, you know they're ready to go anytime, anytime. On Christmas Eve with a wife who's eight months pregnant. Well, hey, uh, people follow the joy. You know, I myself love to chip golf balls. Yeah, in the dark, I hear. Anytime. You gotta follow your bliss, Doug. Yeah. How's, how's the search for the real killers going? Oh, pretty good. You know, I've had time to review my case quite thoroughly over the years, you can imagine. Have you teased out any leads? Well, I think the evidence is damn good that I could not possibly have done it, Doug. Really? Well, well look, why wasn't there more blood in my Bronco? You gotta answer that one. There should have been tons of it, you know? Well, Mr. Simpson, why was there any blood inside your Bronco? Look, look, look. The only way I could have done it is if I was under some kind of amnesia. Amnesia. I tell you, brother, it's the only way. You ever see that episode of Bonanza where Hoss gets kicked by a mule? No. Oh, it's, it's great. It's a good one. You, you, uh, you see a mule kick Hoss Cartwright, and then he can't remember who he is. He goes into town says hello to little Joe and Hop Singh, the Chinaman they got working as a cook, you know? Uh-huh. And he acts all weird, disconnected, you know, from that kick to the head. And Hop Singh has to hit him with a frying pan, then he's back to his old self. I, I think I missed that one. No, 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 it's very realistic. Haas doesn't remember going to town or nothing, not a thing. Later, he, he don't remember that at all. Haas didn't. Not a thing, nothing. Now, I figure if something like that happened... Like like you were kicked by a mule. Yeah, something like that. Well, then you could say maybe I could have killed Nicole, maybe, but then it wouldn't be me. You see, I, I'd be like a kind of zombie. I guess TV show amnesia can be like that. Well, that's what I'm saying, yeah. So I, I'd have to get let off in a situation like that anyway, right? But I still say I didn't do it. Yeah, I, I'm sticking to that story. Yeah. Do, do you like Scott Peterson's chances? Well, if his lawyer can convince the jury that the real killer's dropped off the body after checking out that he went to the Berkeley Marina, well, yeah, my jury went for the frame. Yeah, but what are the odds there's two juries that stupid? Well, hey, man, you, you ever go to a pro wrestling match? No. Well, odds are good. I bet my life you can find a jury like that. In fact, I did. <laughs> I guess you could say. Well... What do you say to people like Geraldo Rivera, oh. who says he just wishes he might have gone mano a mano with you? He thinks I did it. Doesn't everybody? Look, look, 
I used to run over guys like Jack Tatum, Deacon Jones, serious dudes. So if Geraldo thinks he can take me on, well, that's just funny. You know what his real name is? Gerald Rivers. Yeah, that's right, Jerry Rivers. He thinks he can kick my ass with me armed with a Navy SEAL 10-inch blade. Was that the murder weapon? Well, they uh, speculated at my trial it was something like that. Real killers use things like that. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, Scott was caught with a wad of cash, a passport, and a beard with dyed hair. Much as you were. Yeah, but my beard was fake. Yeah, but but that makes it even worse. But see, in the end, Doug, it don't mean nothing. I don't think Scott and his lawyers should sweat that whole disguise thing. People carry disguises all the time, those fake nose and glasses for parties and stuff. And hey, why wouldn't the real killers find out where Scott's alibi was and then frame him by dumping the body in the bay nearby? You ever hear of Occam's razor? Well, I use Gillette myself. Well, O.J. Simpson, I can't say it's been fun. Hey, look, but, look, um, look, Doug, it's no hard feelings. I'm happy to do the analysis for you on this. Like I say, I've been there. You know, Scott should not give up on the judicial system. Not like the rest of us? Well, hey, uh, it worked for me. <laughs> anyway, I got to go. Call me anytime uh, so it ain't on O.J.'s time. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett, and you must stay tuned for our second segment and our fascinating talk with a most distinguished guest, Ambassador Joseph Wilson. <laughs> 